en hartelike goeiemorgen, welkom by ons program Skrifteerlik, waar ons wekelijk saam na oplossing soek uit die skrifte, vervra waarmee gewone mense sikkel. Die Bijbel sê in Johannes 17, 17, jy woord is waarheid, heilig hulle na jy woord, en Psalm 119, 105 sê, jy woord is een lamp vir my voete en een licht vir my pad. Kom dan saam met ons vir die volgende uur, wanneer ons geen steen onaangeraak laat, om die waarheid te vind en licht te skyn op die vraag uit die skrifte, waarmee ek en jy moendak kan worstel nie. Krij dus gauw jou Bijbel en kom onderzoek saam met ons die skrifte. Dis moes nou skrifteerlik. Real Radio, for real people, serving a real God. Tune in to Radio Pulpit 657 AM. Download our app and listen on radiopulpit.co.za. That's where you tune to a warm-hearted good morning. Aboshene, Morweni, Dumilang, Sanbonani, Kujan, Goeiemorgen, hello there, are you well? Pastor Rocky Stevenson, you made it, you are here, one piece, God's I grace about you missed a, I missed a greeting, isn't there the, the Cape Town one, who said? Who said, all right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we've gripped the Cape Townians as well, and uh, yes indeed, a privilege to be in your company. Lekker om saam jou te gaan wees, vir die volgende uur, onderzoek ons saam die skrifte, en ons het die Heere gevra om dier sy gees in jou hart te werk, en my hart, Rokkie's hart te werk, dat as jy antwoord soek op een vraag vir ochend, dat ons saam die skrifte sal onderzoek. Ken jy die bekende skrif? Rocky, what is it? John 17, 17, Thy word is truth. Sanctify them by your word. And so man's opinion is one thing. Uh, I, I love your knowledge of the Bible, but ultimately I wouldn't want to know what your opinion is. There's lots of stuff in the Bible. Mm. I would like to know what God's opinion is. Amen. On it. Because that's ultimately what matters, doesn't yep. it? Being good Bereans. Being good Bereans. Not I feel, I think it should be, maybe, isn't it? Doesn't it say somewhere? Yeah, I, I encourage our church at Benoni to be good Benonians. and search the scriptures on a daily basis to see if these things are so. With me in studio, Pastor Rocky Stevenson, and uh, indeed a privilege for the two of us to join you this morning, waar jy ook al is, kreeg jou pen en papier, ons gaf jou die telefoonnummer hier in die atelier gee, en as jy een leefstijl vraag het, en miskien het jy een vraag uit die Bible, het iets wat glad nie vir jou sin maak nie, dan is jy baie welkom om jou vraag vir ons in te stuur, whatsapp het vir ons in en gaan vir jou die WhatsApp een nommer gee en dan stuur jy dit vir ons en ons onderzoek saam met jou die skrifte om te kyk of hier die dinge dan so is. So as jy reg is, I know that piece of paper and that pen is not the way you left it last time, kids has probably scaled it, zoid it and uh, you need to jot down the number. Here it comes, are you ready? WhatsApp number, Radio Pulpit Studio, 082. Have you got that? 082. 657. 2729. Right, there it is. 0826570, the frequency on which we broadcast, the number 2, and then 729. Radio Cape Pulpit, our sister station down in Cape Town. You put it together, you get a very unique number, 0826572729. En uh, voor iemand nou vir my sê, ja, ek uh, vat nou die tyd op met uh, hierdie lang uh, intro en die uh, telefoonnummers wat ek deurgee, kom ons spring weg met die program. Kan ek net vir jou kantlijn opmerken?
opmerking vraag, as jy een skrifgedeelte of een vraag het oor een skrifgedeelte, sit dit net vir ons bij dit maak het net soveel makkelijkere hier in die atelier. En ons vertrouw dat Heilige Geest ook vanochtend in jou hart sal werk, soos wat jy na jullie program luister en soos wat die vraag inkom, um, dat jy ook sal bid vir Pastor Rocky en vir my hier in die atelier, dat dit wat ons doen nie mens sy opinie vlees is nie, maar dat ons sal soek daarna om die geest van die Heere uh, te, vir hom te verheerlik, Jezus te verheerlik, en uh, ja, dat het uit die skrifte uit sal kom. Christine, ek sien vir jou op WhatsApp daar, baie dankie, uh, daar is die vraag bezig om in te stroom, so jy sal moet roer, as jy een vraag het, 0826572729. Let's start off with this question. Rocky, I know um, full-blooded Englishman, your Afrikaans isn't too bad, so... Uh, actually a pavement special, you know, yeah. quarter Irish, quarter German, half English, so... Pavement special it is. If anybody who's used the word hooset, you know, has, has got a good <laughs> grasp of, of what's going on in South Africa. So, Rocky, starting with this one, why was King Herod disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him in Matthew 2 and verse 3? Mm. What do we answer the listener with regard? Why was King Herod disturbed? And all of uh, everybody in Jerusalem, ek wil gauw hier my bybel net by de rand kry, dat ek ook vir jou die Afrikaanse weergave daar kan lees. Matthies 2 in vers 3, vir, vir die wil nou die die bybel by de rand het die Matthies 2 vers 3, Afrikaanse bybel sê, en toe het die roodes dit hoor, was hy ontsteld in die hele Jerusalem samentom. Ja, yeah, I think that um, it's such a fascinating question, and maybe as a word of a, a word of advert for our memorable Mondays on on Monday mornings with Let's Talk, because we we touch on some of these topics there, and it, it's interesting to see how the Jews actually partnered up with Rome just before, you know, just just a couple of years before, like sixty six years uh, BC, you had the Jews actually partnering with the Romans. And Pompey, that great Roman general, yeah. was part of that. And it meant that that they experienced a kind of freedom under the Roman rule that a lot of other conquered nations didn't because they had actually partnered with Rome at a point. And it meant that Rome actually put, there was a bit of a rebellion underneath a zealot in about 4 AD. And um, his name was Judas the Zealot, and he's mentioned in the book of Acts as well. And from that point, Rome actually installed a pontiff, like a, or, or let's say a, somebody that would, kind of like a prefect that yeah. would look after that area, Control which, the whole which ended up being mm. Pilate in the time when Jesus um, was crucified. Yeah. But there was this Herod that was installed as the king, and Herod, actually the Herod that that we're reading about in chapter 2 of Matthew, he died around 4 AD. And, was he um, a puppet of the Roman Empire? He, he was, was to, he, to many respects, but yeah. he was actually of Edomite background. He, right. he identified himself with the Jews, even though he wasn't really a practicing Jew. Now, there'd been a lot of intermarrying between the Edomites and the, the Jews. Now, the Edomites come from Esau. All and right. so it's quite interesting to see, because whenever the Jews are being opposed by somebody um, throughout history, it tends to be a lot of the time Edomites 
um, and the Edomite even cults that, that, that even stretched out into the Germanic world and some of what Nazi Germany was about as well was some of the Edomite It's history. amazing you say that because looking at history, the Bible says, and Esau, uh, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. Yes, and, and there's and, the and sibling it, rivalry that kind yeah. of goes all the way through. And so Herod was part of the Edomite lineage. Right. And just like, for example, earlier on, you remember what happened with Queen Esther and hating Haman. All right, hating yeah. Haman was part of the Edomite background as well. And so there's always this attack of, uh, and you remember that Herod actually killed all the babies under two years old that were in Bethlehem. Terrible. But if we read the text there, it says this in Matthew 2. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. And this concept of king of the Jews is such a critical concept because just before this, historically as well, even when the Jews had this partnership with Rome, they never ever saw those that that were that saw themselves as part of the kingly order as kings. So they never installed a king, and yet they installed Herod as king. Yeah. And part of this, it, it was there was this real political strangeness in Jerusalem and in Judah at this time, because Herod was king, but he was friends with the political class within Judah. Tons. And he was, and he kept the, I mean, he actually rebuilt the temple. Yeah. So the temple that Jesus would have walked in and that he would have driven the moneylenders out of and that Jesus would have been in when he was 12 was rebuilt by this Herod. And so he had a partnership between himself and the Sanhedrin, and the Sanhedrin was about 70 different uh, men that kind of formed the Jewish police force, if you want to call it that. Yeah, yeah. And they were the high ranking officials that were made up of the Sadducees and the Pharisees. And so even there, there was this political kind of a thing happening. But the reason that he would be disturbed and why Judah, Jerusalem would be disturbed with him in verse 3 is because they had this partnership with each other that was lucrative. He kept the Romans off of their back. And, the, and so they, they kind of had this symbiotic relationship between mm-hmm. the Sanhedrin and Herod. He built them the temple, and he allowed them to have this lucrative business that they were making the money. Absolute um, power from, corrupts. From exactly. And mm. so they, they even know that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. And then in verse 7, it says that then Herod secretly called the Magi and carefully determined from them the time that the star appeared. And so he was hell-bent on actually destroying Jesus even as a baby. Now, you know that the angel comes to Joseph and says, take my son to Egypt so that what was fulfilled, I called my son from Egypt. And so the Lord... Uh, God directs um, Jesus away from Jerusalem. Can, I, away can, from I, can I come in here and ask, uh, not so much Herod, but the forces of darkness standing yes. together yes. to destroy the Son of God. Mm. It's been there from the beginning, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, Satan has wanted that. And you, you can take that back even to the Garden of Eden yeah. when um, when Satan obviously tempted our first parents and uh, Eve fell for that temptation. Yeah. Adam willfully sinned at that point. He was with his wife in the garden. And when they left the Garden of Eden, they had Cain and Abel. Yeah. Um, and Cain kills Abel. Yeah, and, the and first so murder the after first the church service. That takes, that takes place. After the church service, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, they were worshipping to the Lord. They were presenting their gifts to the Lord. Indeed, worshipping the Lord. Church began in Acts 2, but I know that that was a trick question. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so after a worship service, indeed, the one murders the other one. And there you can see the forces of darkness, in a sense, against that prophecy, which yeah. would have been the first, what, the, what we call the pre-evangelion in Genesis 3, verse 15, which... 
I hope I'm right, I believe I am, yes, Genesis 3.15, um, is where you find the promise given to Eve that one day there will be a seed that crushes the head of the serpent, even though the serpent bruises his heel. And so you have this this desire to destroy the lineage from Adam and Eve and to destroy even this this promise. And you find that even throughout uh, when when Israel goes into the promised land even, the way in which the nations of the world seek to corrupt Israel and to destroy Israel. And you have Pharaoh who was um, spurred onward towards destroying Israel. And there was a satanic element to that. But of course the Lord raised up um, you know, even Pharaoh for his own glory by crushing him in that way. But this concept of the king of the Jews, I think, is what really bugged them the most because the Roman Empire didn't allow for there to be a king. And so there may have been this this move within the political class at that time, the Sanhedrin, that along with King Herod, who had partnered with him very clearly because they even tell him where he would be born, What's going to happen? Is our is, is our money pocket going to be impacted by this? And then right at the end of the book of Matthew, in Matthew 27, verse 37, it says this, Above his head, and this is when Jesus is on the cross, they put this charge against him which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. And so the whole book of Matthew is about Jesus, the King of the Jews, and he is rejected by Israel and uh, he rises from the dead, and this is one of the reasons that the Sanhedrin try to cover that up. They pay off the guards to try and say that he was not there. So even there you have the next Herod actually dead set against Jesus. The son yeah. of this Herod was part of the trial of Jesus. He beheads John the Baptist. He kills James as the church gets started. And so there's still this anti-the-king-of-the-Jews Jesus. I can't help but think of Ephesians 6. Our fight is not flesh and blood. It is powers, forces of darkness, principalities. Mm. And you see it at full play here, isn't it? Mm. Right. Right. It gives you a good understanding of why. Hoe kom hulle so ontsteld was in die jode dan saamtle daar in Jerusalem? Uh, Christine het vir ons een vraag ingestuur. Christine, baie dankie. A, a, a question about a fasting. Um, ek weet hier, Rocky, uh, in the beginning of the year, many people undertake to fast and some do it for the right reason, some do it for the wrong reason. Sy vraag, hoe weet die mens wanneer om te fast? Yeah. Hoe om te fast en wanneer om op te hou met mm. fast? Um, I want you to touch on when we speak about fasting now, not just when and how, but also what. Because you get the Daniel fast and you get some people that say, no, I'll fast my TV. I'll fast my cell phone. I'll fast this. What does the Bible say with regards to fasting? How do we answer, Christine? Yeah, some people fast their YouTube, put it on double speed. Especially when they're listening to their pastor's sermon that they missed. No, I'm yeah. <laughs> um, so, so my, my my view on this, which I believe is biblically um, highlighted um, throughout the New Testament in particular, is that there's a level of freedom that the Christian has that the Old Testament saint does not. The, the level of freedom is found in the fact that we have a Savior who has given us freedom. Now, this freedom doesn't obviously mean that we get to say yes to everything, but we're not commanded to fast like what we had with the Jews. There isn't feast days, there isn't fast days like you had the Old Testament saints that were looking forward to the coming of the bridegroom. However, Jesus also does um, mention in various places where the disciples of the Pharisees were fasting and they came and they said to him, this is Mark 2.18, 
why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but yours don't? They don't fast. And then Jesus basically tells them that there will come a time when the bridegroom is taken away. Um, But while the bridegroom is with them, and this is what he says in verse 19, and Jesus said to them, can the attendants of the bridegroom fast when the bridegroom is with them? So long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in that day. No one sews a piece of unshrunken cloth to an old garment. Otherwise, the patch pulls away from it, the new from the old, and the worst tear results, and no one puts on new wineskin into old wineskin. Otherwise, the wine, the new wine will break the old wineskin and the fresh wineskin. So um, Jesus even uses this as a means to show us that there is a new covenant which he is bringing in yeah. based upon his death. And there's a time that there was a fasting, and that was when Jesus had been taken and crucified within that three days before he rose from the dead. And he has said to us, even in Matthew 28, Lo, I am with you even to the end of the days. So that kind of a fasting is something we we look forward to being with the Lord Jesus. He is coming again. We take part in the Lord's Supper, which is a culmination of all of the feasts of Israel in that type of sense with looking at the fact that Jesus has died, he was buried, and he rose again. So the kind of fasting that we have as New Testament saints is definitely not anything like what the Old Testament saints would have. We do see that there are times when there's oppression that Jesus mentions when he talked about his disciples couldn't cast out certain demons. And he says, you know, there's certain certain demons that actually can't be cast out other than with prayer and fasting. And so there may be a New Testament precedent that even our Lord gives during the gospel time. But we need to remember that the church had not yet begun in Acts chapter 2. And so he gives a level of precedent towards certain times in life where there's certain anguish, certain difficulties, maybe even demonic oppression or oppression, where there's a call towards a a fasting and praying. There is also in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 a kind of fasting that there is between a husband and a wife, and that would be a type of fasting from sexual intimacy with one another. And even there, it's very specific because Paul makes it and he says that you you should not withhold yourself from your wife as a husband, and you should not withhold yourself from your husband as the wife. Did I say that twice? Anyway, either way, husband from their wife or wife from the husband, don't withhold yourself sexually from them. Your body belongs to them. God has given you to each other, and you should be fulfilling that. Unless if for a season you actually abstain from that for the sake of prayer. And that's both agreeing. And it would seem that this is during a time when there's maybe some marital conflict. And so the two parties need to now spend time in prayer about their marriage. But then he even makes it and he says, don't let this be a long term thing. You know, get together again for the sake that you do not lose self-control. So God has given a husband to a wife and a wife to a husband. And part of why he's given them in his good gift of the sexual union that they enjoy, which is to be done to the worship of the Lord, is they, they should not, you know, not take part in that for a season, unless if for the reason of prayer. Of course, there's the time of the month as well, which uh, would be a natural God-given time of break between sexual uh, unity within a couple. And um, so there we see that kind of a, a, a fasting. So in the New Testament, there isn't any prerequisite towards this. There's no kind of legalistic uh, you know, set-out thing. And, and you have a level of freedom where you can, at times, if you want to abstain from food so that you might think more on the Lord and, and, and pray, you have the absolute freedom to do that. But there's no specific highlight of saying, this is the times you should do this, do this at when Easter. When to stop, when to um, stop. You know, people will do uh, Lent 
and they take part. There's nothing like that in the yeah. New Testament. This is where there's sometimes confusion where people will take Old Testament practices and bring it into the New Testament practices, to which Paul actually writes the whole book of Galatians regarding that, um, regarding taking Old Testament practices and trying to apply them. And then he actually goes so far as to say to them, you know, you want to take part in circumcision, then cut it all off. You know, yeah. emasculate yourself fully. And he goes that far with an extreme to show that if you're wanting to take some of the Old Testament and apply it, then you better go and apply all of the Old Testament to what you're doing. We have a new covenant that has been secured for us in the blood of Christ. And so you have wonderful freedom. So my answer to that would be, I guess, a bit of a yarn here, is that you can take part in the freedom that the Lord has given you. If the Lord is leading you towards taking a time of fasting and you want to take time in a, in a time of fasting, there's no legalistic kind of a rules that yeah. say this is the time you must do it this is how long you must do it you know some people will like to they'll still drink water and they'll still drink juice maybe or they'll drink soup maybe and they have that time where they um you know set aside some time but there's nothing like that but what we do see as well let me i'm reminded of this matthew chapter 6 where jesus talks about the kind of fasting that the pharisees were doing he said yeah. when you do fasting don't do it like the pharisees do it where everybody else knows about it your god who sees in secret will bless what you do in secret. Mm, and I think that's another important everybody. thing. You know, people mm. love to kind of go around and make their religiosity known to everybody. Mm. Um, and there's an, another New Testament passage where he talks, and I think this is 1 Corinthians 11, where he talks about food offered to idols. And he says, well, when, you, when you're with people, if they tell you it's offered to idols, don't eat it. Yeah. But if they set it before you, Give thanks to your father. He's given you the food and then eat it. Yeah. You know, somebody like Peter comes to mind with that um, vision that he had in Acts chapter 10, oh, yes. where God says, well, get up, eat, you know, Peter. All the killed, animals. In and the, all the animals. He's like, how can this be? You know, mm. so God has set us free from that Old Testament kind right. of uh, legalism, if you want to call it that. All right. Uh, Christina, I hope that answers your question. Ons het om nou in Engels deurgegeer, Rocky Kenneth, how's it, en hoe's it in Afrikaans, maar uh, ek hoop dit maak vir jou heel te mal sin, ons sê dit maar so tong in die kies, ne? Jy is ongeskakel op skriftierlik, tot en met 12 uur vanmiddag, as jy vraag het wat jy wil instuur, dan stuur jy het na die volgende WhatsApp nommer toe, 082-657-2729. Rocky, in the meantime, go in your Bible to Genesis 1 and verse 30, Genesis 1 and verse 30. Uh, I'm going to uh, read this next question. I'm going to refer you to, as I was reading it, God's Spirit just reminded me of Genesis 1 and verse 30, and uh, and then we'll see what the, the Scripture says about this one. Jemel toe. Uh, gaan hulle jemel toe. Uh, is daar dieren in die jemel? Uh, is, is a question that we've had on this program before. Is there animals in, in, in heaven? And now, interestingly enough, Rocky, I've referred you, as I was reading her question, hierso, gaan dieren, en ek denk sy te hond vir wie sy baie lief is, jemel toe, uh, het die Heere hierdie skrif op my hart gelee, Genesis 1 vers 30, maar aan al die dieren van die aarde, en al die voels van die hemel, en al die kruipende dieren op die aarde, hoor hier so, waarin een levende siel is, gee ek al die groen planten as voedsel. There is a, a soul in there, but not 
Am I understanding it correct? There's no spirit in there. How do we answer? Will we find dogs in heaven? Will we find animals in heaven? How, how do you understand the scriptures? What does the word of God say? I would love to just say yes, um, because I know that that's what a lot of listeners would like to hear. But a, a animal is not like a human being without the image of God stamped on them. And so what I, I haven't seen any passage in the scripture that indicates that there will be animals that have died on earth that go to, to heaven in that sense. You know, it would seem that they more end their existence. However, I mean, is that impossible for God to allow? Of course not. God could allow that animals will be there. I know that, for example, Romans chapter 8, we see that all of creation groans for the day of redemption. All of creation was subjected to futility because of the sin of Adam and Eve. The whole of this world was created for the stage to have God work with Adam and Eve and with the children of mankind. Before the foundation of the world, Christ died for sinners. And we see this marvelous reality of the providence of God, the sovereignty of God, and the way that he deals with with his people. There are, however, heavenly creatures. We also do see, um, for example, us following the Lord on a, he's on a white horse and we follow him on horses. Yeah, yeah. And so you have animals um, in heaven and there's the four living creatures that are around his also throne. On and horses. there's heavenly yeah. creatures yeah. and we do see that every tongue, every, you know, every creature on all of, in all of existence will, will give him praise in that yeah. sense. Yeah. But the animals as well are, they are doing exactly what God created them to do. They cannot sin either. And so they also do not have damnation, and therefore they do not need redemption in the sense of mankind. They have a redemption based upon the way that God makes all things new one day. And and the thousand-year reign of Christ, we also see in the thousand-year reign of Christ that the lion lies down with the lamb. Mm. You know, the lion was never meant to be eating the lamb from the beginning, but because of sin, death entered the world, for the wages of sin is death. And so creation groans as we see in Romans 8 and we join creation groaning as those that are redeemed we, we look forward to a day when it will be the way that it's meant to be and there's a great day of prosperity coming for the world under the millennial reign of Christ where oh, right. all of these things are made right and the cobra can be you know the child can be at the cobra's den and the cobra will not bite him there will be that level where animals will be once again subservient to man like they yeah. should be because yeah. this is what happened at at the garden of Eden is that Man was given authority by the Lord, mm. but man gave that authority to Satan yeah. because yeah. he exchanged that authority for a lie. Mm. Satan said, you'll be like God when you eat of this. Yeah. And that's when the issues came in. And that's where animals actually no longer even listened to mankind. And there was a fear that animals had for mankind. And so uh, there will be a time where, where God makes all things new. And I think that's where the, the comfort is for us, yeah. that if we, we feel like we're going to miss our animal, etc., the, there's dog, a comfort cat, that God, yeah. God will make all things new. Yeah. You know, the reason yeah. that our animals suffer and the reason that our animals die is as a result of the sin of mankind. You know, that was not how it was meant to be. But, and we see that. We have a very real ex- example of that when a, a dear animal that we love dies. You know, yeah. and that's why we have a question like this come up. What is a comfort to us is that God will make all things new. All right. and, um, and in that, we will rejoice. Mm. There's a time coming, even when we stand before the Father, where we will have a tear. And even that, the Lord Jesus will wipe away. Mm. And I think that is a tremendously comforting reality. So um, my answer from a biblical perspective, I don't believe that there will be animals 
uh, the animals that we that had as dog, pets, you would find that, dog that he'll in be heaven. there, yeah. you know. Yeah. But but I'm happy for the Lord to prove me wrong with that. I, yeah. I hope so. Yeah. It would be nice. And But I do know that he will make all things new. And maybe that includes the dog that you had yeah. made yeah. new. Um, I, I just want to say, you know, I had uh, five boxes in my lifetime. And uh, if they were all to be in heaven... Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I would need somebody to, to help me pick up and clean up after them. And I would say, Lord, five is a lot of dogs, no matter how much I love them. Yeah. But uh, that's that's just on a lighter note. But, yes, all yeah. things. And, and I'm reminded of the scripture where, where God says uh, if, a, if, a, if a sparrow falls on the ground, God is mindful of that sparrow that falls yes. Yes. on the ground. Not he even. knows about him. Yeah. Yeah, not even not even a sparrow falls to the ground yeah. without him being in control of that, and and I think that that's also maybe something to you know the book of Thessalonians shows us about he's, he he tells us he doesn't want us to be unaware of those that have fallen asleep, yeah, and he talks of the Christian that has died in the Lord, which, and he talks of them as have, having fallen asleep to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Those Christians that are with the Lord at this present moment are not yet in their glorified bodies. Yeah, yeah, they will yeah. receive their glorified bodies at the rapture, and and they will precede those that are alive at that point that are in the Lord and part of his church. Mm. And that's also a wonderful thing to think through, that there will be a marriage supper and a marriage feast of the Lamb during that seven-year tribulation period that the church is part of at that time. And and he makes all things new. He and does. I think so, so that is the hope that we have, is even when we have a heart that is broken because an animal has died or because we've seen some type of tragedy in in life, yes, our heart should break about those things because it's, it's a sign of the fact that we are still under the curse of sin. Yeah. But the Christian church has got the answer for the curse of sin in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we're ambassadors of heaven. We tell these people that there's a coming day when the king is coming and he will make all things new. Our family is just getting bigger and bigger. Welcome to 657 AM. 657 AM is where you tuned. They had such a good love of air. Now, speaking to Rocky, and I was telling of a dear brother that passed on to be the Lord, and he had the privilege of being in the room. Rocky, and, and you were leaning against the wall, uh, yeah, spending man, I, time with his brother, and then what happened? Yeah, I started feeling this like cold feeling coming over my shoulders and I thought Lord you know what are you saying to me with this but meanwhile <laughs> yeah. I was leaning up against where there was a sanitizer <laughs> station and it had a sensor that sensed I was there and so it was right. pouring this alcohol onto my onto my shoulder and, uh, right. and soaking me so yeah. I got to smell like menthol and, um, <laughs> and uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't the Lord busy oh, putting some job. cold spirit over me. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic What's the Rocky Stevenson with me in studio as you have here is the what's up Nummer 0826572729. Ons hanteer ook lief, lief, stil vraag. So nou hier is baie, baie dankie dan ook vir die vraag wie jy vir ons gestuur het. Linda, jy is volgende aan die beerd. Linda, ekie baie dankie dat jy luister na skrifteerlik. Vertel jou vrienden en familie van ons. En dan maak sy interessante opmerking. Sy sê hier so, en ek het vir haar teruggevraag, wat bedoel jy? Sy sê, ek wil net graag weet waarom een van die vele skrifte wat weggelaat is in Matthies 17:21. En dan sê het uitgetik, maar hierdie geslag gaan nie uit behalwe deur gebed en vast nie. Dit is wat sy daar getik het. uit die nuwe vertaalde Bybels is het weggelaat. Groete en sê, en toe vraag vir wat vertaling praat sy van, toe sê sy die levende vertaling. Rocky, 
there are some scriptures, not just what Linda is referring to, but there are many scriptures that's left out in God's Word, especially when it comes to the newer translations. And I think we've dealt with this before in this program, mm. but, but, but why is that? And how do we know that we can trust God's Word? I mean, that is the accusation for many other religions that, yeah, we've rewritten the Bible so many times yeah. that it's full of inaccuracies, it's full of fallacies, it's yeah. full of... Uh, and that is the accusation towards Christendom. Yes. What do we answer, Linda, and people alike? Yeah, that, that passage, which is, but this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting, um, that is in the Legacy Standard Bible, which is the most recent released version, which is kind of like an updated New American Standard, if that makes sense. But I, I do see that there is a footnote regarding the fact that that this is a passage that um, in some of the early manuscripts did not appear. Um, And so there are times where sometimes there are footnotes within some of the manuscripts that have been copied, and then the later date of their writing, sometimes it lands up in in the actual passage, and there are times that that happens. But there's something called textual criticism. Now, that sounds maybe scary, and it sounds like you're criticizing God's Word. Actually, textual criticism is a whole field that is devoted to to actually keeping the scriptures and looking after the scriptures. And 99.9% of what we have within the versions that we have, most of the, let's say the more word-for-word versions, there's three different kinds of versions of the Bible. What you have is a word-for-word kind of a Bible. Then you have a thought-for-thought kind of a Bible, like the NIV would be a thought-for-thought. And then you have a dynamic equivalent, which is where you have actually where they just try to get um, kind of, the the main just of what has been said and that gives a lot of room for like gymnastics when it comes to that and that wouldn't be a good version uh, to 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 go for and so a more word for word translation of the bible is always the best to go for um but you might find that some of these things um were not in the actual uh, first part of it however what i would say about something like this passage in particular verse 21 of matthew 71, which some of the versions have taken out, there is a, uh, a another gospel account that recites this, and that is Mark chapter 9, verse 29, which says, and he said to them, this, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but by prayer. And so there you would have, if you come into a passage and you're comparing Scripture with Scripture, you have another passage of the same nature, and you have this one saying this can't be driven out by anything other than prayer. So now your question becomes, okay, the fasting. But would it be wrong necessarily to fast and pray while while you're having this encounter? Not necessarily. So it doesn't change any of the meaning of the passage. And I think that's what I'm draw- drawing out with this, is even if... You had your Bible and you were busy reading and you went straight from Matthew you know, 17 verse 20 to 22. You wouldn't be missing something that God hasn't got in yeah. one of the other gospel accounts. Yeah. And even if you had it there, it's not like it's changing the meaning of God's word. All right. And so I think that gives us a level of comfort when mm. it comes to God's word. What we have is his word and he has given it to us and it has been marvelously preserved. And it's wonderful for us to know that some manuscripts had this, some manuscripts didn't have this. Yeah. If we're preaching through this text, it doesn't change the meaning of that passage one bit. I want to take you to another scripture. It's 1 John 5 and verse 7. Perhaps you can check that. 
Because I, I, I love to say on this radio, and I've said it many a times, that I don't buy an Afrikaans Bible unless 1 John 5 and verse 7 is there. That says there are three who testify, God the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. Hence the understanding of, of the Trinity, the concept of the Trinity. Yeah, yeah. Then again, in many Afrikaans Bibles, I, I think in the 83 print, you don't get that kind of scripture. There are many scriptures left out. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, the legacy standard says, for there are three that bear witness. Yeah. The Spirit, and the water, and the blood. It's totally and the different. the three are in agreement. Yeah. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater, for the witness of God is this, that he has bore, himself, bore witness about his Son. The one who believes in the Son of God has this witness in himself. The one who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the witness which God has bore about his Son. And the witness is this, that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. uh, He who has the Son has life. He who has not the Son of God does not have that life. Do you have any translation there that makes reference to... Uh, God the Father, the Word, because what we do in the Afrikaans translation is we tie it to the the fourth gospel, John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, was with God. Uh, And and, and so we tie it together and say, but Jesus is the Word. Whereas what you've read now has got a total different meaning, isn't it? Do you have a translation there that's got it like that? Uh, let me look. Uh, I'm thinking. I'm a bit fast on you here now. Probably the New King James version yeah. would have it a bit different. All right. And that would likely be because of some manuscript kind of discrepancy. Yeah. There are some manuscripts of a certain um, uh, family line, kind of that you have in the Alexandrian area. And All right. So you have the Byzantines text, but then you also have the text that were more from North Africa. Yeah. And so there are certain manuscripts, and this is where we're getting, I think, some of this debate from to a degree. What's helpful for us is we actually have more available to us today than what we ever had in all yes, of history. So much. when you had something like the Tyndale line of translation, which was the King James uh, kind of line as well, there were less manuscripts that were available right. at that point. And, and some of the work that was done was also dependent on the Latin Vulgate, which was translated in 450, I think it was, by Jerome into Latin. And so you had the translators actually appealing to some of that right. to help them as well, which also included the Apocrypha. Okay. And so there's some today that say the Apocrypha should be included in the Bible because of that debate as well. So I'm not too sure. Let me just see if All I've right. got All right. Rocky, I've, I've got another question, and then we can conclude with this. And uh, Linda, thank you so much for a very interesting question that you've posed. Are we aiming at a one-world religion? What is your understanding of God's Word? Because ultimately, there is the accusation that we're writing Christ out. Everybody is happy with the word God in the Bible. Or many religions speak about their God. But yeah. we as Christians saying Jesus is God, and now there's the accusation that Jesus as God is written out of the new translations. Therefore, everybody will be easier to accept the one world religion where Jesus is not recognized as yeah. God. Yeah, definitely, there, there is a definite push, and that is uh, a satanic push towards a one world religion. It's called ecumenicalism. And uh, in particular, they I mean, they are... They're raising these things even, I mean, they, they recently had the new Ten Commandments where they brought a whole bunch of people from different religions together, and there's this joining of hands between each other. There was also an attempt to merge uh, the 
you know, Christianity and Islam, where they call it Chrislam. Oh, right. um, okay. And so there's been that attempt as well. And actually, even if you go back into the history of the second largest religion of the world, right. and you go and you see what was done there, it was the same thing. All what right. was taken was paganism, Judaism, Christianity, um, and it was merged together to right. become one religion. So there's a definite drive so towards there's that. a drive towards that, and Satan's always been doing that. Because remember, when, he's, when he reveals himself, and this Second Thessalonians talks about the Antichrist revealing himself after the great apostasy and that's right after the rapture of the church where there's this apostasy and he reveals himself there will be this one world religion in that sense All right. um, and he establishes that one world religion and so you do see that type of a drive in our world today getting rid of jesus as god yes uh, uh, no, everybody is happy with the word most god definitely. you know yeah, yeah but, you, but you know, not jesus you can, as every god. all roads lead to to heaven universalism is what we call it as well yeah. um there is this idea that okay let's just all you can have your way, I'll have my way, yeah. and as long as your way but we'll doesn't get to the same with my God. way, and then we can't say that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, which he is, and only through Jesus can you come to the Father. Yeah. It is Christianity is absolutely exclusive, and it's not exclusive to the degree that it hates its enemies. It loves its enemies when it tells them that Jesus is the way, and we pray for our enemies, yeah. and we do good to our enemies. We are ambassadors of the king, and that's where the difference comes with Christianity is we go to a world that is lost and dying in its sin and we give them the cure the remedy for this in christ Um, but the world does hate that all right okay linda bless your heart thank you so much for taking part in the program bye thank you for a bye bye interessante vraag en ja gaan doen een studie nou weer heel wat skrifte wat uitgelaat is maar ek hoop jy het gehoor wat rocky dan verochend sê bye thank you hierdie luisteraar sê bye specifiek laat ek om net daar die engelse sê highlight so dat rocky kan sien waarvan ek nou praat rocky there is the listener asks particularly to be anonymous and sê more weinand in rocky ek Gloop reg en plaas gereeld een geestelike boodskap op WhatsApp. Is dit in orde? Now, yeah. you would probably can dissect that sentence. There's a, a, a lot that one can read into it. Yeah. Uh, gereeld. Uh, and then she says, a spiritual message. She doesn't necessarily say scripture or, or word, but she says, a spiritual message is that in order? What would your answer be to that? Yeah, um, we, we will be. We will have to give an account for every single word um, that we speak, and so we are accountable to the Lord for what we say, what we put on our WhatsApp messages, what messages we would put out. Um, however, you do have a freedom. Your WhatsApp is your WhatsApp. You know, you can put whatever you want on that WhatsApp. You know, you have a freedom with that, but you are going to be accountable for it. And I think that's where the helpful thing comes, is that you could, if you like, get up right now and run head first into a wall. Would that be good for you? Not necessarily. You're going to land up with a concussion or yeah. or worse. Or hospital. You know, yeah. so you have a level of freedom that the Lord has given you, but you, you should never take that freedom to just be, I can say whatever I want. I want to add to that. If I write that WhatsApp, Um, And and I'm using myself as an example here now. If I write that WhatsApp that uh, Anonymous is talking about, Rocky, and I have you, and I include you on a group without asking you, you you hardly have time as it is for yourself. Now I started bombarding you. You see it as spam because you don't have time to read that whole message. Mm. 
doesn't it do more damage than anything else? I Shouldn't we, I ask we, we you can first? definitely do more damage. And this, uh, the passage I'm talking about is Matthew twelve thirty six, where it says, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. And, and I think that the way that we communicate today is often social media, on WhatsApp. I mean, I, I came to the conviction that I needed to leave Facebook. I did that because I, um, I would get too frustrated and it le- led me towards um, sin. It was a temptation to me in the sense that I, I would get so frustrated with what I saw there and um, and then my comments would be given little things saying, oh, this is out of context when uh, it was not out of context. And, you yeah. know, like the the shadow banning that seems to happen at times yeah, with yeah. some of this big tech and, and you have to defend things. the faith and, on, and on social media platforms. What, what I would say is that it's better for you to always confront somebody face to face. That's always better than a WhatsApp message, always better than an email or an SMS. And um, if you're not willing to say something out loud, let's say um, in a public sphere, let's say a shopping mall, if you can't say something out loud from the top of the escalators, um, don't put it on your WhatsApp. You know, I think um, be true to to what you are doing in person with people as well, and that would be some of the cautions that I would give. However, you have the freedom. Your WhatsApp is your WhatsApp, but I do find that sometimes people also put roundabout messages because they upset with somebody, and so then they'll change their WhatsApp or they'll leave a WhatsApp group, and you have so much pettiness amongst people often displayed even on a WhatsApp. Sadly and so, so. So I think yeah. that's where you need to be careful. If the Spirit of God is also working in regard with your conscience and you feel that what you're doing on WhatsApp is wrong, then listen to the Lord because God help, He gives you a conscience. And so if you're feeling that, hey, your, your WhatsApps are starting to bring tension amongst your family or amongst your friends, then rather just take it off. You know, I have a simple little WhatsApp thing saying, I think it's thankful. I think that's what my WhatsApp status is, thankful. And because that's how we should be as Christians, being thankful. Um, is it wrong to put that there? No. I mean, my heart is thankful. Are there days that I don't feel that thankful? Yes, there are. And then my WhatsApp status still says thankful. Yeah. Uh, but I haven't changed it since like 2017 or something. Right. Um, you know, but... But uh, I think we don't need to be overly pedantic about whether it's right or wrong to put something there. But I do think we should be mindful about the things that we say and the things that we don't say. Because ultimately we have to give account for what we said and also what we've posted on social media. Just getting back to social media, Rocky, having picking a, a, a and bringing the vision amongst the family of God on social media. And, and that's where you see many times people would say in their profile, on social media, I'm a Christian, but they think nothing of the fact of taking out another brother on or a sister on a public platform. Does the Word of God warn us against bringing division, causing issues uh, in the body of Christ? Yeah, look, I, I think that there are sometimes elements that should be brought out in public where there's public sin. It needs to be dealt with in public. But I do think that we need to be very careful that we don't make the public sphere of uh, Facebook or Twitter or all of that, the place where we air our dirty laundry. Yeah. You know, and if you're not willing to go and sit down face to face with somebody, I think Matthew that that 18 is, applies. Yeah. That, that is, that is part of the problem. Look, there are false teachers in this world as well that we are to confront. We are to put out and say to our people, Hey, these are people that you should not be going to. These are people that are peddling the gospel and, and etc. But then we also need to be careful with that because we're not made to, you know, our whole ministry is not meant to be giving out to who the false people are. Yeah. If I was to do that every Sunday, I'd never have time to preach God's word. Yeah. And so 
we leave those people in God's hands. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. The goats and the tears. Exactly. And and we just carry on with preaching the truth. And and when we're doing that, I think we'll have very little time to do that. But there are times where you need to call somebody out. But is Facebook the place? I don't think so. Um, I don't think so. And I think that many a times people can be, what what do they call it, keyboard warriors. Yeah, yeah. That's where they they have all their fights (laughs) and they just constantly Because nobody can touch me. Exactly, Uh, about that. And... um, so I would I would be very cautious regarding that. Maybe the Lord leads some people towards a ministry that's more like that. I would I would be reticent to say yes, that's of the Lord, um, and I'd, I'd be very careful regarding that. Time to love and leave you. Can you believe it? One hour gone down the tubes into all eternity. Nothing being said can ever be changed. It's being said. It's on the airwaves. It's out there. Now you need to go and search the scriptures to make sure if these things are so. Rocky, where can people get hold of you? They want to write you an email? Yeah, they're welcome to send a smoke signal because email doesn't work with escort. I'm, I'm kidding. Rocky, um, no, wait, that's the wrong email address. Pastor. Pastor at, at BenoniBibleChurch.co.za. Yeah, he is also the guy presenting uh, Let's Talk on Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, quarter past eight in the morning. You can catch him on the drive show. God bless you, my brother. It's always a privilege being in this program with you. We bring glory to God. Mm-hmm. Uplift the name of the King of the universe, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Go and check the scriptures. Make sure that these things are so, so until next time, all that's Amen. left to say is keep well, God bless you, and shalom.